Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. Hey, I'm Jeff Garcia. Hi, my name is Hardy Nickerson. Hi, guys. My name is Roberto Guayo, and you're watching the NBL Show. Bring out the Inca Razors. Roberto's <laughs> rewriting history. Hi, I'm Gary Barnage. This is Will Allen. I'm Gus Farrat, and you're watching the NBL Show. And just out of nowhere, Colleen Wolf has called us up. Do you want to crack on? Yes, I would like to crack on. I think I know what they're talking about. Maybe. <laughs> Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. You guys know me as the guy who's announcing one hour of commercial-free NVL football. NVL, not NFL, NVL, which is way better than NFL. Just ask me because I work for the NFL. I might get fired for saying that. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's the NVL show um, coming at you through your ears and your eyes. If you come check us out on YouTube, playing a game every week. I'm joined by my partner, Chris, as always. And who have we had? We've had Taylor Wan, we've had Jalen Mills, we've had... I don't know, but all I need to say is I need the toilet. I probably should have gone before we started this, but I think given the guest we have on... You're going to have to hold it. Yeah. You're going to have to iron knuckle it through because 100%. our guest this week has not been to the toilet at his job you, you, you never go. I mean, it's, it's once in 2017, and this man has been doing his job since 2009. You will know him as the man who says seven hours of commercial-free football. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the host of NFL Renzone, a, a man who I spend every Sunday with, Mr. Scott Hansen. How are you doing, sir? Uh, fellas, I'm doing great after that illustrious uh, introduction right there. I appreciate it. And if if you can't hold it for the 15, 20 minutes that we're going to be here together, then, then you might want to not only go to the bathroom, you might want to go see your physician. I know. I'm, I'm my mother's son, Scott. I'm my mother's son. <laughs> but he's not a man who has a, a high protein breakfast to like dehydrate him for seven hours on television. What is that breakfast? The salty breakfast? What is it? Yeah. So uh, what you're referring to is the chef at NFL Media makes me scrambled egg whites a turkey burger patty, Kalamata olives for extra like salt and sodium so I can retain water. So this is water. all salt. It's, it's tons of salt. <laughs> I, but I actually, I like salty foods, but it also helps the biological preparation for the show because I'll have one either soda. I don't drink coffee. This energy is natural. All yeah. I need is a shower to get going in the morning and I'm good. <laughs> but no coffee. So I'll have maybe a diet soda to get some caffeine in me or a bottle of water. And then that's it. I cut off all my liquids about three hours before the show. I go to the bathroom two or three times. And that, that concoction has been that and the, the willpower of a ninja has, <laughs> has served me well for, for the requirements of my job. And I'd love to see a picture of that breakfast. That would go viral, Scott. If you post a picture of that car crash of a breakfast, it would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you start would. a whole trend. People would be doing it. It's like, oh, I've got a long meeting. I'm going to have the Scott Hansen this morning. You forget about the TV Waffle 12 House method. Do it. It's the Scott Hansen salty yeah. breakfast. <laughs> red zone. I love that. How do you want your eggs? Red zone. <laughs> now, how can we monetize it? How can we, can we come up with a, like a cookbook? There a Scott go. Hansen cookbook? With one recipe yeah, in it. With one, <laughs> a, a one page cookbook. Just salt. One page cookbook, but it'll sell because if that one page allows you to not leave your couch and see all 50, 60, 70 touchdowns. What what price can you put on that? I think I think we're onto a winner there, Mr. Hansen. Priceless. And have, has it always been like, have you always been no coffee, 
you know, committed to the cause. Because for people who don't know, Mr. Hansen is not just a, a journalistic sports casting legend. He is also a legend for the Syracuse Orange playing there in 1989 to 1993. Never missed a bowl game, never lost a bowl game. Correct? That's good. Good research. Good research. Yeah. So I... I love football growing up, like, just like all of us. Right. And, and when I was a wee little kid, I thought I'm going to be in the NFL someday. Well, when the good Lord saw fit to not grow me to six, five, two fifty, running a four, four 40, I'm like, maybe I might want to readjust my, my <laughs> playing desires. So my parents encouraged me to find something that I love and try and make a career out of it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to the NFL, but those guys on TV sound like they're having a whole lot of fun. Yeah talking about it and I'm like they get paid to go to the stadium and be there and all I'm like I'm gonna try and do that so I looked around in the whole United States where can I get the best broadcast journalism education and sports casting in particular and Syracuse University in central New York has by far and away the best program it's like it is Oxford for sportscasters. He's done his research as well. He knows all good universities. Look at that. I visited Oxford this last, or two summers ago. Oh, did you? Before the pandemic hit. I did. Yeah, I'll tell you that story too. But anyway, so I, I went to Syracuse and I wasn't, that's division 1A football, the highest level of college football. Right. My skill level, I was good in high school, but college, I was more like a division 3 player. Right. So I walked on the team at Syracuse. So in other words, like I was the punching bag. I was, we had about a hundred guys on the team. My talent level was probably in the nineties. Right. Okay? I was, I was at the bottom of the roster. I was like Rudy. <laughs> I was like Rudy without the glorified sack at the end of my senior year. Right, in the exactly. final game when the music all goes and they carry me off the field. No, I was a, I was a blocking dummy in, in practice, but I loved it. It was an amazing experience to be inside of a major football program and to see the internal workings. It, it, it's helped me beyond anything that I could have imagined uh, in my broadcasting career. And I made lifelong friendships, you know, with my teammates, one of whom is in the NFL hall of fame. Mr. Marvin Harrison, your final there year you there, go. You did when you research. won the Fiesta Bowl. I know my stuff. I know my well stuff, Mr. Hansen. Well done. And I yeah, believe you, you walked on as a long snapper, correct? So that's what got me on the team. Yeah, it was long snapping for punts and extra points. I did have a specific skill that they thought, eh, maybe we can use this at some point. And then, but the problem, with, not the problem with that, but the issue with that is long snapping got me on the team. Mm. But when we'd have a three-hour practice, they needed me doing other stuff to benefit the team. So they put me on the scout team. And if, if they wanted someone to get blasted by somebody, <laughs> they didn't want to risk a scholarship player. They're like, Hanson, get in there. <laughs> Go play defensive tackle and get trapped by the pulling guards that are learning how to pull. Right. That would be like 10 straight minutes of me lining up, coming across the line and getting blasted sideways. Yeah. But that was what my job was during practice at times. But then I, I would play wide receiver. I'd play defensive back. Uh, it was a great, a great four years at Syracuse. And you're going to have to answer this for me because you wore number 60 and number 86, I believe. 60 was for long snapping. 60 was a lineman number, yeah. right? that I would wear 86 was, well, it was two reasons. This will tell you how low on the totem pole I was. <laughs> they had a new scholarship lineman came in and they ran out of numbers. So my senior year, they stripped me of, of 60, which I had just gotten used to. <laughs> and they said, hey, you're 86. You play wide receiver and scout team all the time. You're, you're 86 now. I literally showed up to, to, you know, by the time you're a senior, yeah. you have a little a, bit. You try to get a bit of respect. Yeah. A little bit of respect. 
And all of a sudden, now the equipment guys swapped out my jersey number. The coaches told them, now Hanson's 86. So that's how I ended up with that. Yeah, you also can't wear pants anymore. You're going to wear a skirt. It'll be easier yeah, exactly. to snap. We need the pants You're to wear give to the lineman. 86 and a skirt, Hanson. They did all sorts of stuff to, to, to whatever they needed to. Because I was looking at, I spent a long time, a long time delving into Syracuse highlights from 89 all the way through to when you won the Fiesta Bowl in 93. And I was just trying to catch a glimpse of Hanson. I just wanted one good play. I wanted one good snap. Like, is there something out there? Well, yeah, on my phone, you know, I <laughs> like my own personal stash yeah my own personal collection no I, so like if you're asking me is there a video highlight no i never got into a game in four years so i spent two hours <laughs> looking for a phantom bro i didn't tell you to you're just a pro and you you did your work but guess what the two hours that you spent and didn't see anything, well, you ended up finding out the true story. And this is this is tough to admit because we would destroy teams. We were a highly ranked team right. when I was there, yeah. right? And we would beat some teams like you see Alabama beating teams mm. sometime. And the quintessential moment of when we knew we had destroyed a team is when the first team was already on the sidelines. They put the second stringers in to get them some work. The second stringers started coming off the field. They yeah. started putting in third stringers. And then some of the first team guys that were, their sweat was already dried in the fourth quarter by the time this happened. They'd start looking around. They'd be like, put Hanson in. Coach, <laughs> put Hanson in. Because that will demonstrate that we have dominated this team, that we can empty the bench. But my coach at the time, I, I played two years under Dick McPherson, who went on to coach the New England Patriots, mm. and then two years under a guy named Paul Pasqualoni, who was a new head coach and whatnot. He was old school, rough and tumble. And he was a walk-on himself in college under the legendary Penn State coach, Joe Paterno, yeah. who I'm sure you, your audience knows. Okay, And he felt he was like this hard-ass type guy who was like, I ain't putting no one in the game unless they earned it getting in the game. That was, that was like his mentality. Yeah. And so he was like, he, it was a sad thing. Cause I think he looked down on his walk-ons, mm. even though he was a former walk-on himself. And I was like, Hey, you know, coach, I'd love to get in the, get in game. My parents are sitting up there right. in the stand, yeah. you know, watching me stand on the sidelines, but no, I never got in a game. And look at, if I would have gotten in a game, it would have been fun. I would be able to answer a question like this 20 something years later. Yeah, I got in for one play, but my goal was never to get in on a pity play. Yeah. My goal was to, to be work my skills enough that my team thought the best chance for us to win get Hansen is in. Hansen yeah. being in the game. And I never got to that point. I never, my, I never got to that level of talent, but I'll tell you this, that fuels my broadcasting yeah. today. Because there, are, I've done jobs where a lot of other people could potentially, you know, were looked at for the job and whatnot. But I want my bosses to say the best chance for this show to be a success Hansen. is if Hanson's in front of the camera. Yeah. I want them to say that and believe that and mean that. And hopefully, you know, the audience can judge, but hopefully I've carved out a good niche for myself. Well, Scott, what I would say for certain loving Red Zone and being a fantasy football enthusiast is that regardless of whether or not you were the most important person on that Syracuse team, there is no doubt that every Sunday you are the most important person. Regardless of Patrick Mahomes, quarterbacks, running backs, whoever you've got on your team, you're the most important <laughs> you're person. You're the quarterback. For everybody. The crazy yeah. thing is like, it's, I don't know if you fathom this while you're doing it, but it's not just America. 
you are being watched in the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Spain, like religiously. It is now the way to watch football. Like what you set out to do in 2009 is like, we're going to change the way you watch football. You did. Congratulations. I, I appreciate that. Thank you both for saying that. And and I actually am aware. I've become more aware through the years mm. of our global distribution. And then I became very aware of the fandom in the UK specifically. So NFL UK is one of the subsidiaries yep. of, of the NFL. And they have offices in London and, and some other places. They asked me to fly out a few years ago. It would have been like three years ago or so. They said, hey, Scott, look, at you're getting really big in the UK, NFL Red Zone, and the fans would love to hear from you. Yeah. And they set up this, we would call it a barnstorming tour. The road show with Neil Reynolds. Yeah. Yes, with Neil Reynolds. That was the same year, I think, that you were all together for the Minneapolis Miracle, wasn't it? And you were grabbing Jeff year. Reinbold. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up dogs throughout London, <laughs> you know, at, at 2.30 in the morning with my shriek, because I couldn't believe what just happened. But... But that experience, that trip, I was there for, I don't know, a little bit less than a week of meeting people. We went to Scotland. We went all throughout England. We went, you know, various places to meet the UK fans. Yeah. I was fascinated with the passion, the amount of people, the passion that they had, and the knowledge they had for the game. Yeah. Like, I didn't find one casual fan. Nope. Everybody that I dealt with and met was hardcore. And I guess, I guess because the NFL is not as publicized in the UK as obviously soccer would be but you and you have to stay up late at night to watch the Monday night Sunday night games and that's a, there is dedication that takes place and I love it because it coincides exactly with the type of NFL junkie that I am yeah. so I have full respect and thanks to the NFL UK audience for making NFL Red Zone the way to watch football. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast were probably at a few of those roadshow things. So they know, and uh, and we appreciate that from you as well. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm coming back, I guarantee. I, I love my experience there. I just got to find it in my schedule, you know, to, to be able to work it out because I'd love to be there during the season. Obviously, I can't during the regular season. Maybe one of the upcoming playoffs, assuming we get through the pandemic and we open up society again. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Hopefully we can get that done. Right. <laughs> have you ever been over for an international game? I have not. I have not. Do you That's think there's a possibility list. you could do it as sort of like a, a holiday for Red Zone? You do it from here. Yeah. You have to start at 6 p.m. and do seven hours all the way through to 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to worry about my stamina, gentlemen. You don't need to worry about that. The, the issue would be the technical side of things. Yeah. Because our, you can imagine, our studio is not just, hey, here's my, here's my kitchen behind me and I got a camera in front of me. It's not. It is configured in such a way for speed, for comprehensive knowledge of everything that's going on at eight, nine, 10 stadiums at the same time. And I don't know if we could, I, I don't know if budget wise, they would build one yeah. of those for me, but I would hundred percent, I would 100%. The way to do it would be this when they play the occasionally that, you know, they'll play the, well, I, well, I call it a staggered kickoff. Mm -hmm. So we in LA, we're watching, we're watching that first international game at like 6am. Yeah. And then that game gets over 6 or 7 a.m. That game gets over and NFL red zone kicks off. Yeah. That would be the beauty to be at, you know, Wembley or be at the uh, the new stadium that the Tottenham um, Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Tottenham Stadium, yeah. Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspurs uh, Stadium. Like be able to be there at the game and then do like a massive tailgate in the parking lot, have an NFL red zone 
like a fishbowl right. constructed oh where you Imagine. can see through walls and all the fans could stay there enjoying their beverages in the parking lot. That would be the way oh, to do it. I think that needs to get pitched. Absolutely is the best it's idea I've ever the be- heard. Yeah, it's literally the best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and we go, we would go, and the, the show ends, Red Zone ends at like 2 a.m. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that? You know I can last. Yeah, you go straight through. I know. No pissing. I know. And speaking of which, I've heard being a fancy football fan yourself, you have a team called the Iron Bladders. Is that correct? That is my fantasy football team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the brilliant. Iron Bladders. And, and, and people, people love when they watch NFL Red Zone for a long time, they love to, to guess who my favorite NFL team is. I think I know. Go ahead, you can guess. I think that you grew up in Detroit, so you like Billy Sims and the Detroit Lions, but then you announced it and sort of went, okay, I'm a fan of drama and action, correct? That's actually exactly correct. I do not have a favorite team. Bro, you have, you have, you have dug, you must have a strong internet connection. Oh, I do. And very, a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. Seven hours of commercial-free loneliness. Research. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> now, now, do you guys, you guys are young men. Do you go back far enough to know the Billy Sims era oh, of yeah. the NFL? Look yeah. around us. This is all we do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. He was going to be, if you followed his career at all, he was going to be Barry Sanders. He was actually going to be more like Walter Payton. He was an unbelievable talent, but he blew out both of his knees right, at yeah. different times. And back then medical science wasn't caught up. So it was a shame that Billy Sims, who was going to be a star, uh, never became the megastar in the NFL that people thought. But a handful of years later, the Detroit Lions drafted Barry Sanders. The rest is history but then there. That, but, people forget about Billy Sims because he wears the same number. Everyone knows Barry Sanders, but no one really knows Billy Sims. Exactly. And, and Billy Sims was, you know, a, a, the Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. in the 1970s. So the, the younger generation he might be a name that they've heard, but not someone who they really knew how, what a great football player he was prior to the injuries. But yeah, so the Lions were my team growing up, but I haven't lived in Detroit in decades and working for the NFL. Now the Lions are, are one of 32 teams to me. I mean, I, I love it. If the Lions do something dramatic, I'm all in. Yeah. Right. If they ever win the Super Bowl, I'll be thrilled because all of my high school buddies, they all live and die by the Detroit Lions yeah. to this day. So I'll be thrilled for them. But no, the Iron Bladders are my favorite NFL team. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I will put a little extra oomph on a touchdown call for one of the Iron so Bladders. that's what I was going to ask. Have you ever been in a position where you've knowingly watched yourself lose or win a fantasy game live and had to play it cool? Because I know if I lose in fantasy, my weekend's ruined. If my favorite team lose and my fantasy team lose, my wife knows I'm not going to be able to speak to her until Tuesday, probably. I don't know how you do it. I I absolutely have. I'm trying to think of a a specific example. I remember the scenario, though. I might not remember the team, but I lost a game or I knew I was going to lose a game when the defense I was playing against, my opponent's defense, had a pick six in garbage time. So, like, if you lose to Derrick Henry because he went for 150 and two touchdowns, that's going to happen. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right? What are you going to do? But if you lose, if you're winning your game, your fantasy game, and and it's garbage time, and you're like, the only thing that can beat me here is a defensive touchdown (laughs) with, like, two minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and the idiot opponent quarterback throws one because he's trying to win the game, his real game. Yeah. And it's an easy pick six up the sideline. So I lost one like that. 
And I saw it on the monitor before we showed it to you guys, right? Yeah. You know, we'll re-rack it and we'll show it 10 seconds after it happens or whatever. And I had to call that. And it was a big play because it sealed the game for that NFL team. So I had to do my duty <laughs> right. and give it like any pick six and he could go 90 yard in. And I'm trying to do this at the same time. I'm like, there goes my fantasy week. And I was so disgusted. I was so disgusted while I was doing that. And he takes it to the house whilst driving a dagger into the heart of, of the, the iron, iron bladders. bladders. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't make it personal though. Not on the air, no. not on the air. I can't make it personal. There's, well, um... I, I just wanted to shout out. Cause I, I also two years ago was in my championship game, went to sleep right? Because it was a Monday night game to finish out the season. And I just needed the Denver defense to get seven measly points. And I was like, it's a wrap. No worries. And they didn't get it done. And it's so painful that seasons can turn on a dice. However, this year I did win. So shout out, same level fantasy. Had to do that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have a win? Have you won your team? Come on, you've got to have an inside track if you uh, Scott Hansen on picking the right people. Trust me, there's a lot of pressure being who I am, <laughs> yeah. the position I sit in, that like I need to destroy everybody in yeah. fantasy football. But I play in a couple of different leagues. I usually only like to play in one league, but I got roped into another league. So one is a group of buddies that are non, they're huge NFL fans, but they're not NFL employees. The other one was a group of people that do what we do for a living at NFL media. That is an extremely competitive, right. tough league. Yeah. I still won the championship. Ah, so so you've got to say it. That's why I said it. It's got to be said. If you win it, you've got to say yeah. it. But I'll tell you, if you, you want to talk some fantasy, I'll give you my worst fantasy football bad beat of all time. Okay. Right. Okay. And, and if you got one that can top it, I'll be happy to hear it. So, this was when Andre Johnson, remember the old Pro Bowl Texans Texas. wide receiver, right? Fantastic player. Andre Johnson was like a young man. He was like a, let's say a second year player, but he was one of the star receivers in the NFL early on. Yeah. So the Texans, I have Andre Johnson and he had caught like, I don't know, a hundred yards of, of passes and a touchdown. And I was winning my game and I was winning by uh whatever it was it was like a point or something like that yeah. and I, I was actually winning by i was this is what it was i was winning by like two point something points so i'm like and the texans were winning in their game and it was late fourth quarter so i'm like the texans aren't going to throw andre johnson probably won't touch the ball again so even if, but i'm up more than two points so even if he fumbled and lost it minus two i still win yeah and, and there was no one else active for my opponent or me and i'm like Put the bed. I'm good. So I was doing something and I, I stepped away from the game and did what I, the rest of I did. And then I, I flipped back the computer on that night and it said I lost by one point something points. And I'm like, 100% impossible. That can't be. <laughs> it cannot be. How come? There's no way he would have had to lose like two fumbles. Yeah. And I'm like, there's, there's no way. Stat correction, stat correction, stat correction incoming. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. The Texans were winning their football game. They were winning by, I think, four points in their game. They were trying to run the clock out. They didn't get a first down. The other team was out of timeouts. So they bled the clock down to six seconds and it was fourth down. So they had to punt, but they didn't want to risk a blocked punt. Right. So they were going to take a safety. 
but they were on, they were like on the 30 yard line. So they were going to take a safety. Well, if you're going to take a safety from the 30 yard line, you don't put the punter in the game with the slowest guy on the field. Yeah. Oh no. They put Andre Johnson. Oh no. <laughs> as the punter, as the punter, he caught the snap. And they told him, run out the bat. Minus oh four yards rushing. That is the greatest fantasy loss of all time. Wow. I'm disgusted about it to this day. That was, I mean, yeah, that was a bad beat in our league this year. But when you mentioned a bad beat involving Andre Johnson, I was like, oh, he's going to talk about Cortland Finnegan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that definitely wins. That it's sucks. so funny talking to, you know, people who are plugged into the NFL about fantasy. Because we were talking to Maurice Jones-Drew the other week. And he obviously, he played himself in fantasy every week he was in the league, uh, right? And then he, against the Jets, they told him, take a knee at the one yard line. And he had like an argument with his coach that I don't want to do it because I've got myself in fantasy. And then he did it and came out and had to apologize in the media to all the fantasy owners. It's just, oh, it's brilliant. He did the reverse, the reverse Todd Gurley right there. Right, exactly. Yeah. If we go back to, um, just because I was really interested in what you said about your the end of your Syracuse career, because you came out of Syracuse and you were like, okay, I'm not going to be, be an NFL player, right? I'm going to go into journalism. And you sort of became a beat reporter in Traverse City, Michigan. And then, you know, I, I read that you, you talk about Tony Dungy and covering my Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, in the era. They were sort of like the Hardy Nickerson era, someone else we've had on oh, the yeah. show. He's a beast and I'm such a nice guy. I did a show with Hardy Nickerson, like like a show like you two guys are doing. Oh, really? Hardy and I and Sage Steele from ESPN, if you know her. Yeah. That was the three people that were on the show in Tampa at that time. Wow. I know Hardy. I haven't seen him in years, <clears throat> but I know him very He's well. He's literally guy. the nicest, nicest guy. guy. And he was so, you know, he was brilliant on the show. But I think it's it must have been really cool for you. Like, because you played Warren Sapp when he was at Miami in his rookie year. In the Dome, you lost. Spoiler. But to have been on in the same dome as him, and then, you know, you both go separate ways because he's a highly touted, you know, uh, D-tackle. And then you grind in Traverse City, Michigan, and then you're covering the rise of the Buccaneers and it's Warren Sapp again. Was it really like gratifying to like, oh yeah, I played with him and now, you know, we're both doing our separate things, but we're both like powering forward in our own ways. Yeah, we, uh, we talked about that actually, uh, Sapp and I did. Because he was, I mean, he, he ended up being one of the greatest football players of all time, obviously a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. But he was still a younger guy. He's a couple years younger than me. So he was a young guy. Yeah. And that was when University of Miami had a defensive line rotation that was just, Sap would say, a bowling ball of butcher knives <laughs> is what, what he would say, which is a great line. But they had All-American after All-American. Yeah. And he was the next one in line. And they came to the Carrier Dome where we play Syracuse football. And it they were number one undefeated. It was the last game of the regular season. Yep. They were undefeated number one in the country. We had one loss and were number like five in the country, mm -hmm. six, maybe seven going into the game. And it was the winner was most likely going to play Alabama for the national championship. Yep. And they beat us. We lost on the last play of the game. We had a pass, a desperation pass. And our, uh, our All-American tight end, Chris Gedney, got tackled at the two-and-a-half-yard line. If he, if he could have made two-and-a-half more yards. One yard short. It was Kevin Dyson all over again. <laughs> it was Kevin Dyson all over again. And it was the last play of the game. We had no timeouts. And, and it broke our hearts. Miami undefeated, number one at the end of the regular season. They went on to play Bama for the national championship. But, yeah, playing those guys, that was – and then 
working with them or, you know, working literally in a studio with them or working with them as pros after I played against them in college. I played against Kirk Herbstreet, you know, like guys that are in, in the public eye. But my old teammates that went on to the NFL and, and Marvin Harrison played forever, yeah. but I had other players, you know, that played a nice five, six year careers. So when I was in the media, I would see them on the sideline. They'd be warming up for the game. And I'd be, you know, in my suit doing my pregame stuff on the sidelines. So I'd walk over to him and I'd be like, you know, you know, hey, Kevin, hey, whoever. Hey, it's Scott. Hey, Scotty, what's up? You know, and I'm like, and when I started working for the NFL, I told him, I said, I finally made it to the NFL. <laughs> and I said, and no one's trying to take my knees out either. So I'm going to be here a lot longer than y'all are going to be here. <laughs> and they would always laugh. Just knowing that, you know, that I was a scout team player at Syracuse and yet I've gone on to, you know, be a, a public figure in the NFL yeah. universe. I would say uh, Sunday's MVP. Oh, absolutely. MVP every Sunday. But it's so cool. It's that tenacity that you spoke of that you took from your Syracuse career when you're like, I want to be on the pitch because they think I'm going to help them win the game. And I didn't manage it there. But what I took from that is that determination and tenacity. And you've translated yep. that into your journalistic career and, you know, become one of the biggest faces in the NFL. Hats off. It's just yeah. cool I as mean, hell. I mean, there's only so much weightlifting and so many wind sprints and so many whatever I could do to try and make my physical ability better. And I never got to the level where I where, where you just said I could get in the game because I was the best option. So then I, I sublimated that and I said, okay, when I get into my broadcasting career, I don't care what hours I got to work. I don't care what I'm going to sharpen my skills. I'm going to figure out a way to be as good at this as I can possibly be. Yeah. And hopefully the television executives with which I work will say, you know what? This is a big show. Hanson needs to be on. This I don't show. care how much salt I have to eat for breakfast. <laughs> I am going to do this show. <laughs> And we will get back to that interview with Scott Hansen shortly. But first, it's giveaway time. And I have a guest giveaway announcer with me today. It's not Hugh. It is the third leg of the tripod that holds up the old iPhone that is National Vintage League. Mr. Willie Cross is here. Hello. Look at that. Fans of NBL, you know Willie. He's that guy in the background, generally wearing sunglasses, always in Raiders gear. He's been doing sick things with the Instagram. So if you Thank haven't you. checked it out, go and have a look. Um, but Willie, you're going to announce the winner today, aren't you? I am. I am going to announce the winner. And I can announce that it is Sophie Holmes. Yay! Sophie Holmes, congratulations. You are the winner. Well done, Sophie. So if you get in touch, Willie will put together a nice little bundle of your favourite team's gear. Can't and wait. And we'll send it out to you. In the meantime, we're going to get back to Mr. Iron Bladder himself. Scott Hansen. There were two um, incidents, and I don't know if these are true or not. In, in, I think it was before 2006, so before you joined NFL Network, or it might have been in the 2006, 2009, before you started Red Zone. You reported live from Brett Favre's front lawn in 2009, correct? Yes, during his retirement, unretirement, retirement, unretirement uh, swings of emotion and decisiveness. So you were just stationed on his front lawn? Yeah. So before I became the Red Zone host, I was a roving reporter mm. and I used to go to practices, you know, to get the latest on whatever team. And I would go to an individual game for NFL Network and then do a report on that game, you know, do post game interviews and stuff. And so one of my jobs was any big story in the NFL, they would call me up and be like, hey, get to the airport. I'm like, OK, where am I going? Well, you're going to here. You're going to there. There's this happened, that happened. So that I get a call. 
you're going to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm like, there, ain't no, there ain't no NFL team <laughs> in no, Hattiesburg, yeah. Mississippi. And they're like, no, it's Favre. That's his hometown. And so I flew in there. And because he was so indecisive, we would stand there for days doing reports like, well, we don't know when he's going to decide. And this is in the deep summer. And for those who don't know the geography of the United States, Hattiesburg, Mississippi is in the southern, southern part of the country. And it gets hot, swampy hot yes. in the summers in Mississippi. And I'm just flop sweating, you know, <laughs> doing these reports every hour on the hour. And I'm like, you guys, he's not going to decide anything until a week before the game. And this was like in June and early July. I'm like, how many days are you going to make us be out here? And I don't know if this is the story that you wanted, but I figured out Favre's game basically pretty early. I was like, he's going to drag this out so he can avoid training camp. He was an old man at the time. He used to love the NFL. He still loved football. He just he didn't just want to training time. Un, the unfun parts of it, yeah. right? And he's like, I don't need to go sweat in training camp. I know the offense. I'm, you know, I'll call my own shots. I'm a Hall of Famer. Like that type of thing. So it was, we had done reports this entire week. It was Monday through Friday and literally we're sweating. Everybody's just, there's fire ants in his driveway. You got to watch <laughs> out where you're stepping. And it was Friday before Father's Day weekend. Okay. So this is, you know, what, mid-June. And the guys I was working with, there was men and women, but the guys I was working with, they were fathers. And they're like, is the NFL going to make us stay here all weekend? And I'm like, they're not, because we got nothing to report. Favre ain't deciding in June. He's not going to make an announcement. But ESPN was also there. So it was like a standoff. It was like <laughs> right, right. one side leave. of the driveway, ESPN's doing their report. The other side of the driveway, Scott Hansen and NFL Network are doing their report. And I was like, can we leave to my bosses? And they're like, is ESPN still there? And I was like, yeah, you ain't leaving. <laughs> and ESPN was asking, hey, can we leave? And they're like, is NFL Network still there? Yeah. You ain't leaving. So it was a stupid standoff. So here's what I did. I called up Bus Cook, who was Brett Favre's agent at the time. And I said, Bus, look at your watch. It's Friday at like 2 p.m. It's Father's Day weekend. You and I both know, and this was off the record, okay? I can tell it years later, I can tell it, but I didn't yeah. say this on the air. I said, Bus, you and I both know that he ain't, he ain't deciding. He ain't making a decision. But our bosses have got their panties in a bunch and they won't let us leave unless we know there's going to be no breaking news. So I said, you tell Brett, I said, you call him right now <laughs> and you tell him that I, my audio guy, my camera guy, they're fathers and they're going to miss Father's Day if we're standing here in this driveway doing reports all through the weekend. Okay, Scott, hold on. Hold on a second. Hang up the phone. Two minutes later, two minutes later, Get a phone call. It's bus. Hey, it's bus, Scott. Yeah, bus. Tell me good things. Yeah. Brett said, you can tell the world that he's not deciding this weekend. And happy Father's Day. Oh, great. And he hangs up the phone. And I, so I got back on and I was like, bring me back on live on camera. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just confirmed Brett Favre is not deciding anything this weekend. And we are going home. Well, it turns out Favre was sitting in his living room. He has like 300 acres of property in, in Hattiesburg. He was sitting in his living room watching our reports, just laughing the whole week. Like these guys think these guys are being forced to stay in my driveway. He had a back entrance to his property. He would use the back entrance. We hardly ever saw his car come out of the driveway. Like, cause you couldn't even see his house from the property. It's so massive. Anyway, that was one of my, yeah. I don't know if that was the no, story. No, that's much more than I could ever have dreamed of. I, I want to know if it's true or false. And the last thing that I'll ask oh, yeah. you, you were kissed by Chad Ochocinco, correct? 
Oh man, I haven't been asked about this in a while. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So Chad Ochocinco may have been Chad Johnson at the point. He may have been in between transitioning between Chad Ochocinco and Chad Johnson. Right. But he was obviously one of the best players of his era at the wide receiver position. And he was very mercurial. I mean, you guys know him, and I'm sure many of the NFL fans know. He was wild, unpredictable. He always had the most creative end zone celebrations. And he would say stuff on camera before the game, after the game, that was just like, okay, what's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? Completely unpredictable. So he was in a contract dispute one offseason and the team had OTAs, you know, uh, organized team activities scheduled. So they sent me, I got the phone call, fly to Cincinnati. Yep. You're going to Bengals practice. And you're responsible for getting Ocho Cinco on camera to say if he's going to hold out or, or not. he's going to go. Yeah. He was forced to show up because he was going to miss his workout bonus if he didn't show up. So he wasn't going to give out that money. So what he did, I flew to Cincinnati. Better than flying to Mississippi in the summer. It, it was. Yeah, it was. But uh so what he did was he showed up to practice and they were doing just basic drills. They weren't doing full pads and hitting and stuff, but he would walk through every drill. <laughs> like, you know, like the high knees drills where the wide receivers are pop, 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 the quick feet drills. He would get up his turn. He would just walk through it. Or just straight down. Just straight down, just pouting, just <laughs> like, I'm here. So you can't find me. You, I'm, I showed up for the workout. I'm going to raise my knees. <laughs> but I'm going to act out and, 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 you know, pout basically and sabotage this practice. It was really stupid. And it was, but it was, it was Chad. So the team was, was getting pissed off at him. And even the PR department for the Bengals was getting like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and usually the PR department protects the player, right? They don't want you asking any real provocative questions or putting their guy in a, in a tough position, you know, and that, that's their job. I get it. Well, this time the PR people were like, you can ask him whatever you want. <laughs> so the Bengals practice where their game stadium is. Their practice fields are, are next to the game stadium. Mm. Not all NFL facilities are like that, but, but the Bengals is like that. So in other words, he's over here and he's pouting, but the locker room was in the game stadium. So I knew I had about a 100 to 200 yard walk that he couldn't be sheltered. So I'm like, all right, let's go. I, I told my camera guy, I said, start rolling and you're going to walk backwards with the camera. I'm going to walk forwards and I'm going to pepper Chad Johnson with questions. Yeah. So I hit him with the first one, Chad, why'd you do that at practice today? And this guy that says anything and everything all the time just went dead. Nothing. So I'm like, okay, he's not answering the question. So I'm like, now what I got to do, because it's not my first rodeo. If you get a guy that's just going to go no comment or worse yet, not even say anything out of his mouth, you have to hit him with about eight different questions that will demonstrate to your audience, okay, he's not answering the question, but he's not going to just run away. So it'll demonstrate which questions he won't answer. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I'm like, Chad, can you just tell us this is about your contract? Chad, how much do you value your skill at? <laughs> Chad, you scored 15 touchdowns last year, and yet you're the fifth highest paid wide receiver. Do you think that's fair? <laughs> Chad, do you? And I'm asking him questions that he would otherwise want to answer. But because he had gotten it in his mind, I'm not answering this guy's questions. And he didn't want to run into the facility. He was just sauntering, you know. So I got like two minutes on camera of me going bang, yeah. bang, with him answering no questions. Finally, we get to the entrance of the building. 
where I was, the media was not permitted beyond this to go into the locker room at the time. So I knew this was last question. So I asked him whatever my last question was, and he didn't answer that one, but he looks over and he recognized what I was doing. Yeah. And I think he respected it, but he also kind of wanted to freak me out. So he turned, instead of answering the question, he turned, he grabbed me and he kissed me <laughs> on the cheek, but he kissed me on television. And I was like, great. You know, I think, I don't, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I've looked, I can't find it anywhere. Oh, it's got to exist. We got to get that on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was like, I did my job. I thought I did it well. He recognized that he wasn't going to go there with me, but he recognized that, hey, this guy stood toe to toe with me and other people would have backed down. But then he still wanted to try and like ruin the moment yeah. for me. And he's like, what can I do? And it was all this spontaneous moment. And it was like, yeah, I just, you know, and they played that on NFL Network. They played that. And it was like, well, Chad not answering questions, but Chad, you know, love is in the air in the summer of Cincinnati. Love it. Love it. I'd love it if, if you speak to him, tell him to come on and we'll ask him and see if he remembers it. Okay. Actually, I will. You guys, yeah, it's the first time I've been asked about that in a while. I don't know where I'll see him. I probably would have seen him at the Super Bowl this year if Super it Bowl was normal. But yeah. yeah, Radio Row is not. Have you guys ever come over for the Super Bowl? Never. Radio Row? If only. So God, I'm a wish. massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And if there was not an international travel ban, I would go like that. I cannot believe we're there. Yeah. I can't believe they're not letting us fire. The, so, so 2020. What's happening? So this is fun. Um, this is us recording with Mr. Scott Hansen uh, before the Super Bowl, but will be released after the Super Bowl. So what are we thinking? Um, people are going to be listening to this, knowing exactly what's happened. Who's going to win? By how much? Ha. Well, we all saw what happened, and we all knew that I predicted it the exact way. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. You know, it. Such a Chad my... Johnson answer. It's me peppering you. And I mean, and I knew the MVP too. Yeah, no. Uh, so look it. It's such a fascinating matchup, and I know enough about football. I, I don't brag, but but I know enough about football to know this. Nobody knows nothing. Mm -hmm. You can say whatever you want and predict whatever you want, and you might be right. If you take Kansas City 35-31, it might be Kansas City 35-31, but you didn't know that it was going to go down the exact way that it went down, right? Yeah. So predictions, whatever. I'm not big into those. But if, if you want to know where my mind is at going into the game, I would never bet against Tom Brady. Yes, sir. Until and unless he came up against no! Patrick Mahomes. Oh, qualifier. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think Chiefs. I think Chiefs in a close game. Wow. Yeah, fair. Okay, interesting. I hope you're wrong. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a second Super Bowl title. And you know what? I, I love, I, I work locally as we established in Tampa. I have all sorts of friends who love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm friends with the Glazer family who own the Tampa Bay yep. Buccaneers and, and famously own Manchester United there as well. Like I'll be thrilled if they win the game. But if you ask my football brain, how do I think it goes down? I think it's, I think Mahomes finds a way to make a play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a second Super Bowl title. Didn't Brady tell you that he loves red zone? Brady has come up to me and said, Hey, I love red zone. And I was like, when do you get a chance to watch? He's like, well, Sunday night football, Monday night football. 
suspended for four games at the beginning of the season. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. He's had some time to watch Red Zone. No, but he legit tells me that now that his kids are growing older and they're starting to play fantasy football, when he's home on an NFL Sunday, the Brady tradition is to sit around and watch Red Zone. And that's, that's just like the rest of us. Yeah, well, just like the rest. Uh, you said something interesting there. You said when it comes to football, nobody knows nothing. Well, I think that's interesting as we move into the final part of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the part of the show that we're all here for, really, it's the game. So, Scott, every week we play a stupid game. With Hardy Nickerson, we played Hardy Ha Ha, where we had to tell him dad jokes and see if we could make him laugh. Oh, wow. Wow. Now we've got a different way for you this week mm. because we didn't want to. Well, how do I win? Because I'm a competitor. I want to know, is this me versus you two? No, or... this is you versus everyone else we've had on the show. And it's good you asked because the only person ever to lose the game is ex-Cleveland Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson. Hugh, what are we doing? Well, so here we go. So, but normally we make games that are funny puns on names. However, we did, as you can tell, a bit more research than usual. And jumped into your brain. Now, I believe if you could pitch a television game show, it would be a little game called NFL Total Recall, right? Wow. Wow, where do you find that? Seriously, like I thought I didn't, I must have told somebody outside of that, yeah. So yeah, I actually did pitch, I did oh, pitch, you did pitch a game it. show. On NFL, yes, I pitched it to one of our executives and he didn't like the idea. Wow. I still think it's a good well, idea. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to be the first ever contestant on NFL Total Recall. Ladies and gentlemen, it's NFL Total Recall with Scott Hansen. Bring it. Fantastic. So, Scott, what we need you to do is get your phone out. I will send you through Instagram DMs the preliminary part of some famous NFL moments that will be cut off before that classic bit. And you're gonna have to tell us what happened next. Now this is your own game that came out of your own mind, so you can't lose. Okay, all right, hold on, stand by. Let me get up, uh, you said Instagram. Yep, Instagram DM, Scott Hansen. So for the people listening, as Scott boots up his uh, iPhone, I can only assume, uh, the first clip is uh, a bald wonder by the name of Matthew Hasselbeck in the 2003 NFC wildcard game. It's gone to overtime. And Matthew... I can stop you. Can I buzz in early? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me set the scene and then you the can get your extra point. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on these videos, I can tell you Scott. who picked it off. <laughs> it gets harder. It gets harder. Yeah. We thought we'd throw in some easy ones. So Matthew Hasselbeck's at the coin toss. Uh, he flips it. Scott Hansen, what happens next? It was Seahawks Packers in Green Bay, yep. the frozen tundra. And... Hasselback being one of the three, I think there were three captains out on the field for the Seahawks on that one. And they do the coin toss, not only for the benefit of the teams, but for the TV audience and the Lambeau field audience. So the referee's microphone was still hot at the time. And Hasselback knew it. He could hear that it was going through the stadium. So he wanted to beat his chest and show off a little bit, lean forward and goes, Seattle, you have won the toss. What do you elect to do? He says, we want the ball and we're going to score. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a point. He was three quarters of the way right. Yeah, he was just in his own end zone. They got the ball in the other and way. they scored, yeah. but they scored a touchdown <laughs> for the Green Bay Packers. He threw a pick six in the very first possession right afterwards. I believe it was Al Harris. I mean, this is just I mean, why encyclopedic are we even, Why are we even sending the videos? I think I'm just going to send the videos as backup and you just explain Okay, next it. one. It's getting harder. It's getting okay. progressively harder. It's very easy, Miss Hanson. Second one. We're in 2014. A sprightly young Antonio Brown, now Tampa Bay Buccaneer, limited questionable for the Super Bowl, RIP, is with his original Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. Divisional matchup. Kicker 
Punter. Excuse me. Well, well it's Cleveland. It's classic punting position. Spencer Lanning. I know the rest of this one. Yeah, Fine. Okay, what happens next? <laughs> I'll look at the video. So Antonio Brown is the punt returner in the AFC North matchup between the Steelers and the Browns. And he he got a he got a nice wall of blockers. He broke through the initial tackling group that was coming at him. It was the punter that was left to beat. We all know how punters can be less than athletic sometimes. The punter kind of broke down in front of him like this and kind of kind of went down to get him in the legs. And he got him in the legs all right, but Antonio Brown jumped in the air and karate kicked him in the chest and landed and got some more yards after the fact And that is well. 2-0, Scott Hansen. All right, now this is just becoming like a grudge match between me and you. I'm going to get one that you're not going to get. And I think it might be this next one. It's 2014, week one, different stadium. Uh, an aged Maurice Jones-Drew in his one wonderful, woeful year with the Oakland Raiders. Derek Carr is at quarterback. They're playing the Jets and the ball is handed off to Maurice Jones-Drew. He runs forward. What happens next? We've sent you the video if you need to have a look. Yeah, I might need to take a yeah, look at this. Here we go. Like Hugh this. is happy Difficult. now. Uh, did the ball fly out of his hands back to the quarterback? Did he fumble it? And the quarterback grabbed it? I'll That's give you a hint. Wrong. It does end back in Derek Carr's hands. But how does it get there? I mean, he got blasted. I remember that. Yep. I Did he Did he not go to the ground? Did he pitch it because he knew he was going down? Did he pitch it back to? I'm not going to give you the point because what happens is Maurice Jones-Drew gets absolutely blasted, goes horizontal, bicycle kicks the ball over ah! his head into Derek Carr's hands. Two and one. I've got him. <laughs> Well done. And now it's spicy. That's a good one. I should have I should have known that one. I'm mad at me. I'm not mad at you. With three more to go. But I'm kind of mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, it is Brett Favre, 2005. Uh, you'll probably won't even need the video for this one. 2005 versus the Bengals. Brett Favre uh, in garbage time, fourth quarter, takes the snap at Paul Brown Stadium. What happens next? Well, I mean, goodness, guys, you guys are just saying, uh, all you're telling me is that Brett Favre took a snap in the fourth quarter of a game. Yeah, that is quite difficult. Brett Favre takes a snap. What happens next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sits making fun of Scott Hansen in his front garden. <laughs> <laughs> Long snapper, that you with the telescopic lens. Oh, was this the one where, this, did a streaker come out onto the field on this one? Or, uh, or something interrupt the game. I will give you the point. The ball is taken by a Cincinnati fan dressed in orange, who takes it out of his hands, reverses yes. field, runs back to the end zone and gets plowed by a security man. Blasted. Yeah. And if I, I'm sure it happens in European football, but it's a great moment when you're in the stadium because they cut away with the TV cameras that, that these days, the NF, you'll never see a streaker in an NFL game, yeah. not for more than a second, because the TV crews are told, cut away, we're not glorifying these idiots, that type of thing. But if you're in the stadium, it's actually pretty funny because then you get to watch the security people converge Heard on them. the guy. And you get to pick out which one of you, the security guys is reliving his high school right. middle linebacker <laughs> days. Yeah, I do remember that one. Okay, you get the point. Three and one, two more to go. This one, lose. 1995, you're up in Traverse City, Michigan, I believe. You've just left uh, Syracuse. We go to the Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Bears hit a, I think it's a point after or a field goal. It sails straight through and down the tunnel at Soldier Field. Scranton, what happens next? There was a fan who had been a little overserved in the uh, pregame parking lot who had a seat that the way Soldier Field was configured, there was the tunnel was right behind the goalpost. And they put up the net, but the net didn't, the net either didn't go high enough or he kicked it over the top of the net. 
and the guy had a seat that was up against the rail, but it was like 15 feet high yep. above the tunnel. He saw the ball, tracked it, jumped out of the stands, caught the football on the fly. It was Monday night football, so they had awesome replays of it. The guy caught it and landed. He had this big old ponytail, yeah, this, if I remember. So much detail, I love it. It's like This is like talking to Sean McVeigh, but about yeah. random niche things. He was wearing a things. white sweatshirt. I believe he had his sweatshirt. I believe he had his sweatshirt sleeves like rolled up like this. They interviewed him afterwards. Because it it's 1995 and you could do that with fans in 95. Exactly. And yeah, and he was, he was just like, you know, I got great hands and I was, you know, I saw the ball and I was just like, whatever. And the announcers lost their minds over it. I think that's well, I think exactly he was going, he No, said. I think he was also going, I was linebacker at high school, so yeah, you know, exactly. I got good awareness. I got good hands and stuff and I knew <laughs> yeah. I wanted it and I'm going to hold on to this forever. So I saw a where are you, where are they now piece on that guy. With him. He still has the football Brilliant. and and he still, yep, tells that story to this day. Okay, right. For all the marbles then, you've already won. You're already in the playoffs. I do want you to look at the video for this one as we go back to 1992. Oh boy. I feel like you might know this one. The Syracuse Orange are in the dome oh. against the Miami Hurricanes who are on a 27 game win streak. The Syracuse Orange have only lost one game and are looking to go to the national championship. I'm shutting the video down. <laughs> so you chose this one as your grand finale. You chose this one as your grand finale. I did. So, yeah. So Marvin Graves was our quarterback, and this was the play I alluded to yep. earlier. Chris Gedney, All-American tight end, caught the pass. We were out of timeouts. We snapped the ball with less than 10 seconds to go, and Marvin scrambled around. If we score a touchdown, we win the game. You beat Miami, you go to the national championship. Yeah, and it was two defenders. I think one was Al Blades. The other one, they had all kinds of NFL, future NFL guys in their defensive backfield. They knocked down, Gedney caught the pass, knocked him down at about the two yard line, and we lost the game. It was the two and a half line earlier. Yeah, now exactly, it's, yeah, it's creeping back now. It's gonna be one and a half next week. Yeah. <laughs> that, was my, that was my last home game as a football player ever. We, we went on to the Fiesta Bowl, we beat Colorado in the Fiesta Bowl, but that was the last play, the last moments of my senior year. And, uh, I did get announced to the crowd. I don't know if this will show up on the camera, but they did senior day. So the one glorious moment that I had, I've got this on my camera. Number 86, Scott Hansen. <laughs> God damn it. it. It's totally what it was. It totally what, maybe I posted it on my Instagram, but well, first of all, there's your boy. Yes, number oh, 86. Look at that champion that, jersey. Send that directly to us on Instagram right now. Okay, I'll send that one and then Let's see if I can find, maybe I can't find it, but I'll send it to you after the Yeah, if you've got a highlight, that'd be amazing. These are definitely going to get reposted, by the way. <laughs> Last thing, it wasn't the final time you appeared on American television screens in uh, American football uniform because the only clip I found of you was in the Fiesta Bowl against Colorado. They run that stupid buffalo around the field. There's a big kick return and he runs into the arms of Mr. Scott Hansen on the sideline, a very blurry Scott Hansen. Uh, well, I'm sure that was, we we, we were on a reverse for, on a kickoff for a touchdown and it was Kirby Dardar. What a great what name. A name, what a great football. Kirby Dardar. He, de he deserves an NFL career just for that. He was, he was one of the fastest guys on our team and he ran it right up our sideline. We had it set up beautifully and the wall was there and he ran it back up. So yeah, I'm sure I gave Kirby some love when he came back to the sideline there. But yeah, 
I went out a winner. Look at four years, four bowl games, and we went four and zero oh in bowl games. Yeah. That's not that's not easy to do, but I'm awful proud of that, and awful proud of my my team through my college years. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was our chat with Mr. Scott Hansen. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. We really appreciate you. You can catch him. You know, you can catch him yeah. on Sunday. You spend every Sunday with him. He's the biggest legend in the NFL. And I can't thank you enough for your time, sir. Guys, get over to the States here for a Super Bowl in the future and then come find your boy and we'll, we'll have a pint in person. That was the NVL show. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you want that vintage jersey you just can't find, head to us on nationalvintageleague.com or if you want to follow us on social media, it's at National Vintage League on Instagram and at NVL Tweets on Twitter. So until next time, you take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>